Hello and a very warm welcome to today's podcast on Migration to Zero, a podcast series which in 12 episodes will deal with the situation of migrants, refugees and asylum seekers in Cyprus. My name is Wurt Faustmann. I'm the director of the office of the Friedrich Ebert Foundation here in Cyprus. Let me also introduce my co-host to you, Sarah Morsheimer. She's a law student at Georgetown University in the United States, but also a researcher for F Project Phoenix. This is a European non-governmental organization which is based in Cyprus that works towards systems change and migrant inclusion. And this is what brings us together here in this podcast. We also have a person Sarah will talk to, and uh, that's Kiriaki Hachibanayotu, who is the lead researcher of the survey with migrants we are talking about. So very warm welcome to both of you. And I think I simply pass on um, the microphone to Sarah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Hubert. Um, so um, welcome to the very first episode of the Migration 2.0 podcast, um, a collaboration between FES Cyprus and, and Project Phoenix. Um, so in this show, we hope to explore different issues related to um, migration through a, a bunch of different lenses. And we hope to amplify migrant voices and shed light on um, migration issues and to uh, promote inclusion. So in today's episode, we're going to be discussing the outcomes of uh, part two, a survey um, completed by FES Cyprus and Project Phoenix. Um, we will be looking um, at the impact of COVID-19 on refugees, migrants, and asylum seekers. Um, so welcome, Kiriaki. Um, so first uh, question that I want to ask is, um, what is the, the goal of this survey? Can you give us just some background information um, on the survey? Yes, the goal of the survey is to complement uh, the part one of the series that we prepared uh, to understand how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected refugees, migrants, and asylum seekers in Cyprus. The, the aim of part two, the one that I'm currently leading, is to amplify or uh, complement the findings that we reached uh, during part one in understanding how uh, RMAs have been affected in terms of access to healthcare, social welfare benefits, uh, how their mental health was affected, their employment and their professional development. So we, we structured a, an online questionnaire based on um, the structure of part one uh, research. And we, we tried to complement our data findings by also conducting several semi-structured interviews with RMAs to, to, to add personal accounts and experiences uh, in our findings. So I can imagine that, um, you know, with uh, COVID-19 kind of being an ever-changing situation, um, that there might have been some, some difficulties that you came across conducting a survey. So if you don't mind talking a little bit about uh, how you conducted the survey in these uh, difficult times. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, deciding to launch a, a questionnaire in the middle of a pandemic uh, has had its fair share of challenges. So we launched our survey in uh, mid-September and it was concluded in uh, late December last year. So during this period, we've had the government bracing for a new set of measures. We had slowly uh, a new curfew being implemented. At some point, we also had a two-week uh, ban on travel uh, to and from Limassol, which was uh, quite limiting in our ability to reach people who reside in this, uh, in this district uh, in Cyprus. So these are, this is the main uh, limitation that we faced. Also, it was difficult to, 
to know in advance the, the countries of origins of the participants. And, re, and this resulted in a disproportionate uh, number of RMAs coming from Africa and only having a limited sample from RMAs uh, from the Middle East. In terms of uh, limitations in our sample, uh, based on the practical limitations that we faced in traveling and in terms of resources, uh, we had as a result a high participation uh, from uh, RMAs residing in Nicosia. And also we, we also anticipate that the personal effects that they were experienced by the RMAs during the first wave of the pandemic had largely uh, waned uh, when we launched when we launched the online questionnaire because it was right after summer when uh, people experienced almost a complete relaxation of measures. So the memory and the effect of the pandemic uh, might have not actually been so strong. So yeah, you started talking a little bit about this um, in terms of demographics of the survey, but if you don't mind providing a little bit more of a profile of the participants that you surveyed. Absolutely. So through our online survey, we managed to reach about 90 people from 26 countries. About two thirds of them um, are, uh, are asylum seekers and one in five are students or workers that are mainly from Asia. The majority of the asylum seekers, they come from uh, countries uh, in Africa and only a very small uh, percentage of the sample. They are either refugees or persons with uh, subsidiary protection status. In terms of their countries of origin, uh, we had a, a very high number of people from Cameroon, which uh, all of them uh, except one are asylum seekers. So the case of Cameroon is an interesting um, study uh, in, the, in the case of Cyprus because we've been experiencing a, a very significant increase in the past decade. For example, in 2014, we had only five asylum seekers uh, from Cameroon, while in 2019, this number reached uh, 1,200. So... Uh, this is also a trend that we also incorporate in our, in our findings uh, to help and inform the authorities about the trends that we, we can see evolving uh, through, our, through the data that we collected. In terms of gender, the proportion of male to female um, asylum seekers, which are also the majority of the, of the sample, corresponds to the, to the proportion of women and men asylum seekers in Cyprus during 2019 according to Eurostat data. So in that regard, uh, our, our sample is quite representative in terms of gender. And as far as uh, their age is concerned, the great majority of the participants are aged between 18 and 44 years old. And I think that's about it in terms of uh, the main, um, the profile of, the, of our sample. Okay, so so digging into some of the findings uh, in the survey, um, the first issue that you look at is access to COVID-19 information. So what were the most important findings uh, in terms of, of RMA's uh, access to COVID-19 information? We were happy to see that uh, the great majority of the, of the respondents, they said that they had great understanding both of the symptoms uh, of the disease, as well as the ability to understand important information about COVID-19. In terms of the language, uh, they received their information in 7 in 10 said that they were able to receive information in their native language. However, to better understand where they get this kind of information, we also asked uh, what their source of information was. Uh, in this question, the majority of the respondents reported social media as their, as their primary source of information with news websites, local organizations and government sources um, 
following after. Uh, for us, it was concerning to see that government sources uh, ranked third alongside local organizations. This is concerning because it, it can there can be many different why this can be a concerning um, finding. For example, it can mean that uh, the government has has made insufficient efforts in distributing important translated information that they developed, uh, or they were not able to to reach community associations, non-Greek non media, and local organizations and support them in disseminating this information to the diverse community of RMAs in Cyprus. Another issue that we also investigate in this survey is the, is the number of languages uh, that this government material was translated because we've, uh, we've witnessed, we've, we've recorded during uh, part one of this, uh, of this project that the, the local organizations often had to step in and provide in-house uh, translations in order to inform the RMA community about the constant changes and the new decrees and measures um, from uh, that the government was releasing throughout the pandemic. So we've identified a huge vacuum of information that the government was not able to fill. And this is a very important, a very important finding going forward and how we hope to, to address this, uh, this gap. For example, uh, during one of our interviews with a Farsi speaking individual, they told us that they mainly uh, resorted to a community telegram channel uh, that hosts the Farsi community in Cyprus in order to receive detailed information about the decrease in the restrictions. And they added that they felt lucky by the fact that they knew English because this allowed them to cross-reference or access more, uh, more sources, which mainly were uh, local organization sources to, to make sure that they, they were aware of all the changes uh, that they were happening during the pandemic. So, so COVID-19 has uh, taken a large toll on the economy and it, it will be years before we have um, a comprehensive idea of, of its true financial impact. Um, have you been able to extract any information on how the pandemic has affected RMA's financial situation? Yes, uh, during our survey, we, we tried to, first of all, understand how many of those people they were actually at work prior to them, but to the pandemic, because we also understand that a great majority of the sample uh, were asylum seekers, uh, and, they, and, and the asylum seekers face a series of limitations in, in when and in which sectors they can work in Cyprus. So we found out that 40% uh, of our sample, they were, uh, they were employed prior to the pandemic, However, half of those uh, at work before the pandemic said that they lost their job uh, in the following months as the pandemic uh, unfolded. This data serves as a reminder that uh, RMAs in Cyprus are exposed to precarious uh, employment conditions and often exploitation, and are among the first to lose their jobs in times of health and economic crisis. So, so the pandemic has forced uh, government departments to um, operate under new safety protocols, um, including remote work and meetings only by appointment, um, while at the same time they've had to adapt in applying some administrative changes, such as uh, providing services that um, before were um, done face-to-face, -face, but now they take place online. Um, so did you uh, look at how these disruptions affected the legal applications um, and the receipt of social benefits by RMAs during the pandemic? Since most of our, of our 
our target groups uh, are people that uh, have some kind of legal applications with uh, with the authorities. This was indeed a very uh, important section uh, of our survey that we tried to uh, get a better understanding how it was uh, affected because of the pandemic. We, by trying to understand the extent to which RMAs uh, had faced additional obstacles uh, with their applications during the pandemic, we asked them. Uh, we asked those who had an application uh, with government services uh, how their experience was uh, during this period. So, uh, seven out of ten uh, of the respondents said that they had experienced additional difficulties or delays uh, in having their additional in having their asylum or residence permit applications processed. Uh, also, when we asked whether they were able to contact the authorities and request additional information about their applications. 50% said that they were unable to reach uh, a government official to, to receive more information, while only 20% said that they, they were able to reach someone and get assistance about how their application is going. The remaining did not provide any answer because it's likely that they didn't have any pending requests uh, with the officers at the time. Uh, as far as uh, social welfare support is concerned, we're also, to, we're also able to gain some valuable insight about how RMA's uh, experience uh, was during the pandemic, as they largely rely, especially in the case of asylum seekers, on state support. The majority of people said that they received social benefits from the state, uh, with the overwhelming majority of beneficiaries being asylum seekers. So three out of five people uh, in our sample said that they received some kind of support from the state. In our question, whether they were able to, to meet with uh, government officials and um, discuss about how they are, when they will receive their benefits and receive more information about their benefits, only one in two said that they were able to contact in some way, either in person or by phone, uh, the social welfare services to receive some additional information. Also, from some uh, uh, personal accounts that we received uh, during our interviews, We've had similar testimonies that they indicate that there was a state of confusion in terms of appointments and the RMAs knowing whether they were allowed to, to go physically to the offices and uh, meet with, um, with the officials. Also, the difficulty to reach an, uh, an operator by phone was another issue that was consistently uh, noted by, by the people that we interviewed, saying that they were trying to reach um, someone from the morning and they were only able to do so by noon. So we understand that all state departments had to operate under unprecedented circumstances during this period. And that also the locals faced some, some of these issues that we, that we record here, as well as in, uh, some delays in accessing state benefits. However, for us, it's very important that we understand that in this case, Asylum seekers, uh, it's a group that almost completely relies on state support. And when one and two do not receive their benefit on time in the middle of a pandemic, it's a really concerning issue and it becomes a life, of, a life or death scenario where they don't have enough income to maintain themselves. So when, when discussing COVID, um, you know, we, we also have to include um, the impacts on health and healthcare. So in, in Cyprus, the pandemic and the subsequent lockdowns uh, in the spring have been defined with um, hospital departments shutting down and other departments operating with only a, a very skeletal staff. Um, and in the meantime, um, the newly established general health system was challenged 
um, basically at its core to remain operational and effective. So um, how are you able to explore um, how RMA's access to healthcare was affected during the, uh, the pandemic? I completely agree with you that the, the pandemic has completely and fundamentally challenged uh, our healthcare system. And we also understand that the, that all the restrictions that are being imposed aim to keep it from collapsing. Uh, however, uh, in, in, this, uh, in this part of our survey, we tried to understand how people that they often don't have um, direct access to the healthcare uh, system, and they also completely rely on the public healthcare system to get treatment, uh, to understand how they fared uh, during the pandemic. Uh, in one of our most uh, positive findings, actually, uh, through the survey, is that of all of those who ex had exhibited uh, COVID-19 symptoms, it was uh, 5% uh, of, the, of the total sample, uh, they reported that they were able to, to get tested once uh, once they realized that they had some of the symptoms. However, some of them said that they were not able to reach their personal doctor to, to ask for guidance and uh, further support. Uh, in this scenario, we tried to identify a common factor between those people who had uh, experienced uh, COVID-19 symptoms. For example, whether they, it has to do with the number of people that they live with or their employment status, but we couldn't prove any strong correlations uh, between these variables. So um, what about the implications of the pandemic on mental health? So in terms of mental health, we calculated uh, the impact on RMA's uh, mental state by providing a question with a scale from 1 to 10, 1 meaning that they are feeling better than before the pandemic, 5 meaning that they feel the same, and 10 that they feel worse uh, in comparison to before the pandemic. Uh, unfortunately, 65% of the of the respondents said that their mental health had deteriorated during the pandemic, uh, showing that about three in five RMAs in Cyprus have experienced uh, a negative impact in their mental health during this period. Also, if I can just go back and just make an addition about access to, to medication, we, we also found that Seven in 10 RMAs who had a disease, a chronic disease prior to the pandemic, they reported that they were not able to get their regular medicine uh, during the months of the pandemic, which this indicates uh, a great weakness of the healthcare system to provide, to provide for people that they face chronic problems uh, in the middle of the pandemic where they also don't have access to their doctors as they would before. So I think this is also a very concerning trend in, in terms of uh, RMAs accessing the necessary medication and treatment during this period. So I know that the survey also looked at um, issues of um, racism and discrimination. Um, so even prior to the pandemic, uh, xenophobia was on the rise globally. Um, so uh, have we witnessed uh, any sort of increase in, in racism or discrimination um, against RMAs, uh, either by locals or the authorities since the pandemic began? When we asked the respondents about how, how they perceived, because I mean, how you perceive uh, discrimination, it's also um, a personal issue. So we tried to understand whether uh, the pandemic had caused an increase in their daily experiences with the, with the authorities, with the police, and with the locals. Uh, when we asked how, uh, if they if they witnessed any kind of discrimination from the authorities, 
two in five said that they they did uh, experience some kind of uh, of discrimination uh, by the authorities, while one in two said that they they had witnessed some kind of uh, discrimination from someone else besides the police and the authorities. This can be uh, they experienced discrimination from someone in their community or from a local. Um, also, during our interviews, we had some uh, positive uh, experiences with the police. In one of the cases, uh, a family of three that they were in the car during the period that they had to send an SMS to receive uh, a permission to go out. The police stopped them for a very quick check, and the only one of them had sent a message. And the police was very helpful and friendly in advising them that they should both send a check, and they let them go without giving them a fine. And um, so this was a very positive experience that one of the RMAs shared with us uh, during our interviews. Uh, also, uh, another important finding uh, from this um, topic is that of those who said that they experienced some kind of inform- of discrimination, they said that the reason they believe that they were discriminated against was the, the skin of their color. We've seen that, the, that there have been gendered impacts from this pandemic. Um, and advising uh, people to stay home to fight off the virus has um, increased um, the amount of uh, domestic violence against women, and there's been an increase in incidents recorded um, across the Republic. Has uh, the survey shown a similar trend among um, the RMA women that you interviewed? So uh, gender analysis was also another uh, big part of, uh, of our research because we, there were some reports prior to our launching the survey that women have been disproportionately affected uh, because of the pandemic. And we have also had, as you said, an increase in, in incidents being reported uh, for domestic violence. Uh, during our survey, we haven't been able to corroborate this, uh, this trend. Uh, mainly this is because only one in five uh, RMAs uh, in total said that they live with their family. And we also had a, an equal number between men and uh, men and women uh, living with their families in Cyprus. However, the small number of people residing with their partner made it more difficult for us to be able to identify a trend in terms of domestic violence by a partner. In the bigger picture, though, uh, when we asked women whether they were able to, to have access to contraception during the pandemic, the, uh, only 7 out of 10 of those who regularly take contraception said that they were able to do so. And, and this also is, is again connected with the, with the healthcare question that we posed before that we found that many people with chronic diseases, they, they haven't been able to, to access uh, their medicine. So we can say consistency between, between chronic diseases and the, the ability to have access to contraception by women during the pandemic. Thank you, Kiriaki. These these findings have been, I think, I think they're very illuminating. Um, and I just wonder, um, kind of as a final question, what what you're going to be doing with these findings moving forward, um, and whether you have any sort of recommendations or predictions for the future. Going forward, uh, we aim to put together a third part of this uh, of this study that we will produce a white paper. This uh, in this white paper we will conduct a systemic analysis that will help us um, identify systemic flaws or issues that they were exacerbated during the pandemic, and that we understand that they didn't appear outside of a vacuum. So we will try to understand what, what are the roots of these problems and combine this with the statistical trends that we derive from our data. 
as well as from the testimonies uh, from the humanitarian experts that we did in part one and their remains uh, interviews uh, that we did for part two. And all of this, uh, they will advise uh, a series of suggestions to the policymakers and the authorities in how they should move forward and put in mind RMAs uh, in their policymaking decisions. Some of the immediate things uh, that we can do uh, right now is remember that behind uh, these statistical numbers are people with personal lives that they have been traditionally marginalized in the Cypriot society and often exploited. So the least we can do is uh, give them the channels, uh, the voice, uh, like uh, FES does in Cyprus, to express their experiences, and, and we can only make sure that we at least listen. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kiriaki, for all of your great work and um, hoping to see uh, pol- positive policy changes in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much, both of you, uh, Sarah and Kiriaki. Very, very interesting. Uh, conversation. I learned a lot. Um, I hope you liked it as much as I did, listeners. So please uh, follow the podcast series. This was the first of 12 podcasts in the title of Migration 2.0 with our partner, uh, the Project Phoenix on the situation of migrants in Cyprus. So please stay tuned in. You'll find these podcasts on the website of the Ebert Foundation, FASCyprus.org, within our podcast series, Uh, FAS uh, Cyprus podcast Beyond the Divide, but you will also find it on the website of Project Phoenix soon, I was told. So maybe, Sarah, you can fill me in uh, on the on the website address so you find it there as well. Again, big thank you to both of you. You will find the podcast on all leading podcast platforms. I almost forgot that to say that. So big thank you to both of you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Hubert. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Hubert. Thank you, Kiraki. 